You're listening to Go with Jamarlin Martin. We have a go hard or go home approach as we talk to the leading tech leaders, politicians, and influencers. This is part two of the interview. Let's go. Do you think it's fair for black folks specifically to say Google, Facebook, the elites in the establishment in Silicon Valley, they have been very, very smart at cultivating their lobbying game in terms of how do we influence regulation to Mm -hmm. help us scale, help us profit, help us kind of kill the competition that we are strategically planting people, uh, uh, forming alliances, the Obama administration, where we want to keep the regulation down. That's the corporation. But as you know, it seems like in the United States, regulators have been asleep but okay. regulators in the European Union, they've been awake. Very awake. Uh, yeah. And so <laughs> with Cory Booker, uh, some of these Silicon Valley elites, they invested in a, a company uh, that he created and then he sold it. There was some scrutiny. That Cory created? Cory Booker. Cory, so the he, only thing I remember startup, about that was Cory was when he got that $100 million from uh, I don't, Zuckerberg. Yes. Yeah. And then and everyone's like, well, where did it go? Yeah. Yeah. So there was another for the schools. Yeah. But there's I think that's a problem in terms of, hey, you know, what did we get for the hundred million dollars in terms of Newark? But the fact that these, does anybody know what did no, they actually get? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. See, yeah. now I need to go read that. I need to go read that and, yeah. and find the nuance. Yeah. Because there may be a reason as to why we don't know. Yeah. But I find it problematic that, you know, these elites in Silicon Valley who are investing in Cory Booker's company and then he sells it, you know, many people felt that particular Schmidt at uh, Google, when he was CEO, he was cultivating Cory Booker. They would go to uh, uh, the Allen & Company uh, conference in Sun Valley together Mm -hmm. and uh, Silicon Valley establishment loved Cory Booker, Uh, but... You know, when we think of why would all these elites in Silicon Valley all back this particular person as they're rising up, do they love what he's saying about helping the people, the most vulnerable, uh, the poor, or do they love the idea that they can get another man, where I believe that Obama was highly linked with the Silicon Valley establishment, but we have to think about the future at this level, and this could be our guy in Washington. Uh, what do you think about that criticism of Cory Booker? I think that that is actually applicable to several people. Because if you remember before that, Mark was back in Chris Christie. So, I mean, it, you play both sides, right? Like, I'm going to give $100 million to Newark schools and have Cory figure out how to use it. But I'm also going to throw this fundraiser for Chris Christie. Yeah. So it's but like, yeah, let me hedge my bets. <laughs> yeah. They're playing both sides. But in degree, though, uh, just based on uh, my research, is that they really we're backing Cory Booker in terms of more so than, than other candidates. Are you concerned about any Silicon Valley relationships with, with Kamala Harris in terms of, I believe that there's going to be a lot of uh, occupy Silicon Valley as we go into the election where uh, there's going to be a lot of political uh, activity against Silicon Valley. Yeah. And you're going to see, so what you're going to see in terms of activity in the head up to 2020 is you're going to see, People talk a lot about privacy, particularly so California is Super Tuesday now. So and here's my other thing, not to like on my Kamala versus Corey train, but she needs she doesn't have to do she doesn't have to place first in Iowa. She could place second or third in Iowa. You win South Carolina. 
you head into Super Tuesday, you got California. The, the delegate count will be too far for anybody to feasibly catch up. So at least that's how it plays out in my mind. You think the map is really in Senator Harris's favor? I do. Yeah. And I think, I think the map is in her favor. Not just the math, but the map. Like the yeah. fact that California got moved up, that's her home state. Yeah. Like that's an easy get. So unless people are going to also try to come to California and, and lure people's votes away from a senator, a sitting senator that we all voted for, that's hard. So, I mean, I, I, I think it's the map works in her favor. A lot of people, you know, disaffected Trump voters, which is what, you know, Senator Brown's whole thing is like, and Biden, they can appeal to, you know, Joe from Scranton. Fine. Joe from Scranton is not going to give you the delegate count that you need. And, and I, 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 would, I would agree with that. That yeah. he's not going to be as the map is as not, Senator Harris. Yeah, the map isn't there. You're not concerned. See, I think, Senator Harris beats out Beto. I think she beats out Biden. Mm -hmm. I think her problem is the left. Oh, is oh the, yeah. It's, it's yeah. the Justice yeah. Democrats. Yeah, it's yeah. the Ocasio's. It's the more yeah. kind of progressive, hard left. Yep. Do you see who would be the biggest threat from your perspective in terms of predicting how, uh, how things are going to play out? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. What do you have? Iowa, the New Hampshire... South Carolina. Sanders, I mean, he surprised a lot of no. people. No, that's not working this time. No, I'm not. No, no. And here's my other thing with this. And I get that Vermont doesn't officially have parties. How do you want to be the nominee of a party you won't even join? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. That's like, I want to be that, homecoming queen of a high yeah. school I don't go to. No, this isn't for you. Elizabeth Warren. Is that going to be... Is she going to be competitive from your perspective? I, I like her. And yeah. one of the reasons why I do like her, to your point about consumer advocacy, she was very instrumental in having the Consumer Protection Agency created, which Trump, of course, is trying to gut. But she she walks the walk. Only problem is she says she was Native American. And, and yeah. <laughs> they had a bar card yesterday that I saw in the newspaper that from when she registered for the Texas bar in 1976, her race was listed as American and as American Indian. It's like, yeah. that yeah. DNA test said 1%. Yeah. I think people can uh, get over that. <laughs> of course she apologized, but people want her to come out with a stronger uh, apology. But with the Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, they have a good track record in terms of taking on elites in corporate America. But the problem I see with their message in 2020 uh, is that they're so focused on Wall Street. But for this generation, the, the younger generation, the Ocasio-Cortez, that message is, uh, I would think it would be framed more of tech in Silicon Valley. Like, well, hey, Wall Street was 2008. Right, get Wall that. Street hedge funds, that was yeah. all 2008, Occupy, yeah. all that whole bit. It's time to update it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what it, what it is now is I think people are also realizing, particularly around, um, not all tech, but particularly around social media, is you are the product. And people did not realize that until 2016. And so, again, people signed off their privacy rights to get Candy Crush credits and do whatever, and nobody paid any attention and didn't care. And then suddenly something happened. Everyone's like, oh, wait. Yeah, where's my data going? What are you doing with it? Targeted ads? Well, what kind of ads are you targeting? And why are you targeting me? And how are you targeting me? Then you have other issues around that than when you let advertisers essentially design who they want to profile. 
you can, you're easily running afoul of job discrimination issues because you're selecting, well, I only want, you know, I want to target this ad to white male, white males from the age of 25 to 35. That's job discrimination. You could do the same thing with advertising apartments. If you're targeting certain people, it's housing discrimination. And if the right parameters are not in place to address those things, it will just run rampant. So you're now you're just using technology to further ingrain systemic discrimination into the system. How do you think Senator Harris is going to respond to the what they're calling the ADOS crowd, A-D-O-S? Oh, hashtag. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, in terms of reparations, when that comes up, Bernie Sanders uh, told the crowd that he didn't think the country was ready, ready for that. Divisive. Yeah. But how do you think Harris would respond? Well, I think she probably has a, a nuanced take. Because so you have both her parents are immigrants. Her dad is Jamaican. Like they had slaves in Jamaica. <laughs> it's not a foreign concept. Um, and I think being a child of two immigrants, you kind of get to see what it's like to be a fish out of water. And I don't think anyone has ever looked at her and not thought of her as black, whether that is an American descendant of slaves or you were a American descendant of Jamaican slaves. Yeah. So I don't think the concept is foreign for her. And I think what is interesting about it is how Obama was able to skirt that. And I think what is super interesting to me is how focused um, that hashtag is, particularly on Twitter now, and how people are like, I want to I wanna hear what is the plan for us, like from top to bottom. Was the health care, was reparations, was education? I want to know what all that is. And people didn't really ask Obama that. Yeah. But what he was able to do was lean on the fact that his wife was an American descendant of slaves. Yeah. Which helped. Yeah. And I also think, which is so weird to me how it, it seems to not necessarily benefit Kamala as much, but it benefited Barack is the distance of not being a descendant of slaves. Because then that kind of gives you like the clean, you're, you're clean, right? Like. Oh, the parents are immigrants. It's not. It's different. We don't even have to talk about slavery because you, you're not. You aren't related to that. Yeah. And for whatever reason, that isn't that isn't working as well as it did for her. I don't. Part, part of me wonders if that's also a gender thing, and then part of me also wonders, yeah, is it a spouse thing? Yeah. So some smart critics uh, that I follow, they said one weakness of Kamala Harris is um, there's no Michelle Obama figure, symbolically right. for the black voter, where the if we're going to go on a, you know, a little bit extra kick on symbolism, to your point, the Michelle Obama was there. This is uh, a woman who's from the black community. Southside, worked her way yeah. up. She's, but then, so here, so then, but Michelle Obama, yes, Southside girl, descendant of slaves, but here you have a woman who, if she chose, if she wanted to opt out, she didn't have to go to Howard. She didn't have to be in a sorority. Michelle Obama did not go to an HBCU and she is not in a sorority. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like six of one, half dozen of the other, right? But you're pretty sure that Senator Harris is going to come out against reparations. That she, that, that question is going to be asked. Are you, I mean, I, don't know. I would Honestly, say 99%. I don't know. She, would have, she would come out against that, it seems like, based on her uh, I don't know. I, and I think another way that you can think about it is how do you 
create systemic policy that acts as a form of reparations. Yeah. So it may not be a straight up, here's your $10,000 <laughs> descendant of slaves check, yeah. but it could be, you know, free college for our debt relief for yes. yeah 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 yes or it could be because in the if you serve 10 years in the government they will forgive your loans your loan debt and the catch to that though is like you don't make a lot of money in the government so you kind of need them to forgive your loans after those 10 years so it's hard i've had friends that have done it and they're pleased with it but also if they had worked in the private sector they would have made a lot more money and they may have paid off the loans before yeah so it's how do you look at it from an educational perspective, from a housing and redlining perspective, from a gentrification narrative, from, you know, debt forgiveness or loan forgiveness, or even how do you look at, this is one of my biggest issues is just because it's tax season. And the first thing I think of is like, I'm blessed to be in a tax bracket that they want to take a lot of my money, but they're not accounting for the fact that I had to go to a lot of school with a lot of loans more than the in white order woman. to, yes. In order yeah. to get to that tax bracket where you're taking more <laughs> money. Yeah. So it's it, like, how do you structure that? Do you personally support policy on reparations? Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, when I think about like what's going on in Virginia, my grandparents it, were sharecroppers with third yeah. grade education. So yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, when I look at the situation in Virginia with, with blackface, uh, and you know, there's all these issues. Hey, America is a racist country. Okay. We get that. And you can never, we're going to keep on doing this stuff back and forth. People complaining, protesting, all this stuff. But just like when someone is assaulter someone goes through trauma in terms of war the vietnam war mm -hmm. that some of this stuff to work through that trauma you it's painful but america has to go back there meaning that what happened to african slaves the country can never heal without revisiting that and part of when you go i don't know if uh, reparations is the first first step. I think the first step is the country. You need a president. You need political folks to say this country can never heal and get over racism without going back to the root of the of of the problem. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping I hear a message close to that from, uh, from the Kamala. Democratic side. Yeah, I hope, yeah, you're not I hope hear so. From a Republican, yeah. Yeah, you never go to that. No. <laughs> yeah, never. <laughs> Unless the Irish were slaves too. That's yeah. always my favorite response. Like, okay. Uh, in the, I guess the, the concept of, uh, Hey, you know, maybe you're not, uh, structuring a, just a check where, you know, some folks yeah, start it could buying be, gold chains I, and I, yeah, I stuff. actually think it, yeah, you don't, you don't want to make it like a tax refund, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, uh, oh, now I'm a ball out. Yeah. Like, mm -mm. you're going to go you, give all the money back to other folks get, yeah. to Nike or yeah. to whatever, you know, yeah. like if I was trying to remember someone was telling me a stat the other day about how long a, a dollar stays in the black community. And I think it was something like two days yeah. and it's much longer for folks in the Asian community and even white folks. Like they circulate their dollars all the time and we're not very good at that. Yeah. 2008 Lehman brothers, Bear Stearns, the economy's collapsing. The United States is fearful that this whole thing can go down. And it was going down when Obama was elected. Mm -hmm. uh, but these banks, rich folks, 
were bailed out by the, the government. Hey, we have to bail these people out or it's going to get worse. Why can't there be that mentality with the black men and women here in the United States where, hey, look, we have a serious race problem uh, almost perfectly reflected or uh, by MAGA and, and Donald Trump. We're bringing a lot of this stuff to the surface that, yes, this country, at least half of them, most likely are racist. A debt buying program where at least a component of the reparations, I would think that auto loans and mortgages yeah. and credit card debt. Yeah. Uh, School that's loans. A, yeah. All of that. I think that's why I was saying it. it isn't necessarily just about structuring it as a check. It could be. We need a knowledge of self first. Anybody gets a check, you got to go read the autobiography of Malcolm X first before you get your check. You got to read at least 10 books. We're, I mean. <laughs> you need a knowledge of self implementing before you get the that. Check. What'd no, I, don't, I said good luck implementing that. I mean, yeah. maybe we get we get Amazon to give you some Audible credit so you can at least listen to the book yeah. on tape. Yeah. But no, I think it it could be something where it, it is a check or at least that's a portion of it. And then there are other policies or things that you put in place. Like, you know, like they have first time homebuyer assistance. Well, what, you could have like, hey, you redlined my people out of this neighborhood and now I want to buy here. So you're going to put half down. Yeah. <laughs> Or something like that. Um, free college or even better, free grad school, because it's like college is great and aspirational. But what people get stuck in the trap in now where they take out more money is grad school, whether that's professional school, if it's medical school, whatever it may be. So having some type of either free grad school or loan forgiveness for that, um, I think those things could go a long way. Yeah. And uh, to support. Uh, what we're talking about. I talked to a venture capitalist out of Comcast Ventures, and he said that the black entrepreneur that he sees over the past couple of years, almost all the time, they under-negotiate. They yeah. ask for less yeah. than the white entrepreneur for the same thing. And he, he's looking at deals. That's not necessarily... Like, how, how did that get into the culture where we're under-negotiating mortgages, under-negotiating venture capital deals? Where does that come from? We're just happy to be here. Like, but, it's, it's but like who's a... who's to blame for that in terms of how well, you get to that mentality where uh, you're, you're taking less than your fair share? And I tell people this all the time, even just when they're negotiating personal, like, job offers, is everything is negotiable and do not take the first offer. And always ask for more than you actually want or even think that you're going to get. And then you negotiate down from that. You don't say, okay, yeah, I want 125,000 in investment. And then they give you that and you're like, oh, okay. Cause you could have asked for more. Is that connected to the reparations argument? I don't know if it's connected to reparations necessarily, but I think in terms of the, there is a mindset in which when you are one of a few or the only in a room, Oftentimes, you're just happy to be there, so you don't want to rock the boat. The people have been traumatized. I'm saying if you're under-negotiating... I don't disagree. Yeah. I do not disagree with that. I think it's just... it's You have to reframe it, and it's, it's hard. It's hard. I, you know, one of the things that I appreciate about living in California is they... The law now is you cannot ask people's past salary history, which completely changes the playing field because typically we are underpaid because they go off of prior... 
prior salary and history. we're already behind. And we're already behind when we start because we don't ask for much. Um, people don't even ask about equity. They don't negotiate benefits. Like my thing is everything is negotiable. Do you want more vacation days? Okay, well, if they can't pay you extra money, ask for more PTO because PTO gets paid out when you leave. Do you want, can you get a, an, an, a faster vesting schedule for your equity grant? Like those things are all things you can play with. It isn't just, I want to make $20,000 more. That's short-sighted. All right. So you've been uh, very vocal about bias and artificial intelligence. Uh, you were recently at CES. Can you share with our audience briefly about what are some of the risks out there in terms of biases that are being injected in artificial intelligence? Yeah. Um, one example I would give, which is not, it, it isn't necessarily a, a negative result this time anyway, but Facial recognition technology being used to apprehend suspects. So considering that some facial recognition technology identified black people as apes, <laughs> we see that there are flaws in it, right? So, but at Dulles Airport, they actually apprehended a suspect using facial recognition. Now, sounds like a happy ending, right? Except what happens when you get the wrong person and you get a couple wrong people. So my concern with it primarily is around um, use in the criminal justice system. So everybody loved the First Step Act that was signed into law a couple of weeks ago. I don't love it because it uses AI to determine who gets earned credits and the earned credits determine whether you get, you know, certain classes or other rehabilitative programming. And if you're using historical data to fuel that technology, well, we're already behind again. So is that really fair? Um, my other issue with that is they use it in predictive policing. So telling how telling police departments, how many police do you need in this particular neighborhood on this day? And they use somewhat arbitrary measures. So they're looking at moon phases, team schedules, win loss schedules of the teams and historical data. So if you're looking at historical data, you're also not accounting for gentrification. Some of those neighborhoods are turning over. And so that means that if as soon as you get a, a hint of that, you're not going to police that area anymore, even though maybe now it's trending majority white. So you're not going there anymore. And it's, it's scary when you also think about that in conjunction with the, the administration's rollback of the Obama policies to not use private prisons and the private prison donor class was a huge, huge benefactors to the Trump campaign. So they need to fill those prisons, right? And yeah. make their donors money. And so they're going to use technology in order to ensure that that happens. And they also rolled back the uh, military grade equipment that Obama was like, we're not giving used military equipment to PDs. And now they are. How is this uh, issue bias in uh, AI and in, in tech in general, how is it connected to the poor demographic stats in terms of, hey, you know, black and brown, they're not really out there in commensurate numbers to their population. They're way below uh, the population number. So they're not in the room when these products are being built. And so whether it's intentional or not, it could be weaponized. The technology is weaponized against our people. Yeah. Where we're, we don't have any input. No, and that's that goes back to what I was saying in the very beginning is that if you have homogenous rooms, you are going to get homogenous results. It's that simple. Uh, for the audience, uh, where can people check you out uh, online? Uh, Twitter, 
at Bari A. Williams, all one word, B-A-R-I-A-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S. And do you take on uh, clients? Are you, hey, I'm all booked up. Uh, do you accept <laughs> clients? Uh, the right clients? Well. <laughs> you can't have any client. Uh, come in. Yeah. No, I mean, I am I have consulted before, and I do have, like, two that I work with, but that's, like, I have two kids. I have a. You got a lot going uh-huh. on. Yeah. I have a whole house. And- yeah people that want to eat dinner so <laughs> uh thanks for uh coming on the show thanks for having me uh let's go good conversation thanks everybody for listening to go you could check me out at jamarlin martin on twitter and also come check us out at mogledom.com that's m-o-g-u-l-d-o-m.com be sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter you can get the latest information on crypto tech economic empowerment and politics let's go